This is Chris Fetters with Dogman.com, and I'm here with Scott Eklund. We are inside the actual the uh, visitors' locker room. Yep. As it turns out, second time. Second time in uh, six days. In a few days, yeah. We uh, someone else was using the media room today, so we had to we had to you know be nice about it and do the right thing as Respectful. we always as, as we always do. Kim Reynolds is uh, upstairs in Club Husky, emceeing the Run to Win Legends Luncheon. Mm-hmm. So we got Damon Heward, I think Greg Lewis is there, Justin Glenn's there, Jamarcus Shepard I think is there, kind of giving an outlook on the team. We should have asked Jamarcus Shepard what the outlook on the team was so mm-hmm. that we could get a glimpse into what he was going to say to the to the people on hand. But uh, Scott, again, another day, and I know this is going to be the, the point of contention for so many, but another day without Michael Penix. Yeah, now he did have some throws today, did make some throws, and even in full team work but he wasn't the one taking the or not the full teamwork it was the install that he was that he was making throws in but he was still throwing the ball just wasn't out there you know gunning at a hundred percent it was more like 75 so but um yeah and we talked to grub afterwards uh, about what's going on and grub basically said uh mike came to him and and basically said hey my arm's getting a little little dead a little sore and um, and he does it. And Grub said we we trust him to make that call. And and so um, he came to them, said um, what he was feeling, and they said there's no reason for you to keep going. You know you can get your mental reps. You know the offense back and forth. You've been throwing to receivers all summer. No reason why we should push you. And so they have decided to give him give him some rest and get some valuable reps. For Dylan Morris and for Austin Mack. And the other thing that's important to consider, and this is something that's not just coming from Ryan Grubb, but it's also coming from Kalen DeBoer, because he said it yesterday. Mm. If a game was being played this weekend, the starting quarterback would be Michael Penix Jr. Mm. Yes, so no that's question. All, that's all you need to know. No that's question. That's all you need to know about this that. This is basically like midseason. They wouldn't be running him reps a lot if his arm was feeling this way for the same reason. Well, but ultimately, if ultimately, ultimately, if it was something that serious, he wouldn't be at practice, and he wouldn't be throwing. Right. So, is it something to be concerned about? Hundred percent. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's all. There's always something to be concerned about with these types of things when players aren't playing. Is it something that they feel is easily able to be mitigated? Hundred mm-hmm. percent. They feel like they're on top of it. They trust Mike to understand what his situation is. And trust me, the competitor that he is, he doesn't want to be out of practice. Yeah. Do you think he likes just walking around and taking mental reps? None of those guys no. would, would want to do that. So you just have to trust him to, to do that. And like Kim even mentioned it yesterday, we saw it in the past with Jake Browning when he got dead arm during fall camp and basically didn't do anything but hand off and that didn't seem to handle. Nope. That didn't seem to really affect him much during the season. So, again, you know, when Ryan Grubb tells you we're not here to win fall camp, mm-hmm. you believe him. You know, yeah. you got to take him at his word. Yep. And, and and I really think that this staff is not into playing the games of you know the gamesmanship of well, we're just not going to talk about it and we'll let you guys decide whether you want to talk about him being hurt and that he might not practice because it gives. Our opponents something to think about. They don't. They're not in for that. They're just like, hey, he's he's on a pitch count. It's not a big deal. We're gonna play him. If he was playing this weekend, he would be playing. 
So yeah, and and if if they were getting ready to play USC, for instance, maybe they'd be a lot more cagey about it. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. But again, fall camp three weeks away. Yeah, mm-hmm. they've got lots of time, lots yeah. of practices to go. They've got a big practice tomorrow off site. And I believe they've got a big scrimmage on Saturday. You know what? I didn't ask where they were doing it. Did, I didn't, did you I didn't ask? Uh, I didn't ask. No. That, that makes me mad that I didn't ask that. So. I figured I figured I didn't want to get shut down on that. So yeah, I uh, you know rather not. Oh, and but, frankly, but they could say, "Oh, we're not going to talk about it." Yeah, we got to at least ask the question. I just forgot to ask the question. Yeah, I just it's off site. We can ask yeah. them when we when we talk to them next. I guess how it's, it was. well. I, my guess is it's it's either the VMAC or uh, Popkini. VMAC seems more likely. Because the Seahawks have a game tomorrow night. Yeah. So they're not going to be practicing at the VMAC. Right. So. No, it makes sense. Um, so that being said, what did you? What were your initial impressions of, of Dylan Morris and Austin Mack today, knowing that you said you felt Dylan Morris arguably had his best practice maybe ever at yeah. the University of Washington yesterday? Wasn't the same kind of dynamic passes because of the situations they were playing, and we'll get to more. Yeah, the context is important. I yeah, think. the context is a little more important. But Dylan still was throwing on target and hitting guys and uh, making some good decisions for to just tuck the ball and run a couple times. Um, but, you know, he had that touchdown pass to Devin Culp in the back of the end zone. Probably had uh, Romo Dunsey for the touchdown an easy, a little bit easier throw. But, um, you know, was able to hit Devin Culp in the back of the end zone. Um, the other uh, touchdowns on that one were uh, running plays. So, um, but overall, you know, I, I don't think it was as explosive as what we saw yesterday. With I the think the elements long passes. did a little yeah. bit. We, we didn't say what the elements were. It, well, was, it sprinkling. was sprinkling for most of practice. And, it, and it, got, it got heavier at times, like where they got near the end of practice. And, like, for instance... Tayshawn Lyons was downfield at the, on the very, very last play of practice, and Morris typically, I think, would have just nailed it. I mean, he just would have darted it to him. But the ball came out fluttery, looked a little bit more like a Billy mm-hmm. Kilmer special, like a uh, little, yeah. little wobbler, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and fell Billy a Kilmer. few yards short. Billy so, Kilmer. I'm showing my I think age. half of the people listening uh, to this I'm won't sh- even know who the hell showing, Billy yeah, Kilmer I'm is. Showing my age. Look it up. So, Google it. Yeah. He was a, he was a stud. Wikipedia is your friend. Great quarterback. So, anyways, but yeah, he didn't necessarily throw the prettiest ball out there. Um, But and and then with Austin Mack again, you can see the progress from him. Yeah. From even yesterday's practice when he looked pretty good, there are a couple where he made a read that maybe we wouldn't have seen two or three days ago. But on this one, there was one that I saw, and and Christian Cable was behind me, so I'm going to give him the credit for making the, the comment. But basically, he did a read zone, um, or what is it, a read option, RPO. Yeah. And um, someone came in hard off of the edge. Yeah. He pulled it and then hit, I think it was Jeremy Bernard. I could be wrong on that, but he hit Jeremy Bernard. I'm mean, who I'm going to say it was anyway, um, on a quick pass that, that, that ended up being able to go for about 15, 20 yards before somebody got to him. Yeah. And maybe that isn't a read that he makes on the first day. So. I would say the other thing that I've noticed, and this is, again, a function more of context and, and what they were trying to get done today, and I think they're trying to slowly – I think they're trying to not turn the nozzle up too much mm-hmm. in terms of the water going through the fire hose for a guy like Austin Mack. But you could tell that they're also trying to throw a little bit of tempo his way. 
And I think that hurt on one of the early plays in the team period where he fumbled the ball. Yeah, he fumbled, and, he had a couple fumbles. And Dan, yeah, Daniel Angada had to catch one. And that was one of the few uh, kind of red zone-ish series where they got pushed way out of the mm-hmm. red zone because of the fumble and recovery. And they, and they weren't able to make up the ground on second or third down. So that was one of the things. I think they're, they're trying to speed him up a little bit. And, and again, DeBoer and, and, and Grubb have talked about making sure that those guys get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yep. And those were some of those situations where you could tell he was clearly uncomfortable. Yeah, there was um, also, and, and you know, we're talking about the quarterbacks right now, but one, one of the things that impacted Austin Mack a couple times was some not the greatest snaps in the world. And that was because at center, working with the twos, you you put put posted this in the in the thre- in the thread the practice yeah. thread was that there's an you called it an alternate twos well it's not the set two no the set the set twos from left to right would be R J Wersh then Memelar then Brailsford Garen Hatchet and then Sam Peacock that's been kind of the set two mm-hmm. behind the number ones well this alternate two is when they've been able to work in Jalen Clem who's been left tackle almost mm-hmm. exclusively. And then, then, then it would be Memelar, and then they would bring in Landon Hatchet, who I think is who you were referring to. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Landon Hatchet would be there. They move Parker at Brailsford. Center. Yeah, they move Parker Brailsford from center to right guard, and then at right tackle would be Garen Hatchet, who moved from right, right guard from, to right tackle. Yeah. So that's that's and, they've, again a way to cross train get mm-hmm. get those guys multiple positions. So I talked to Parker Brail, Parker Brailsford a little bit after practice. And so, yeah, and, and I did earlier too. Yeah. yeah, and and just talked about the idea of cross training and playing multiple positions and how he feels that's going to give him a leg up. Guys like him and Garen is going to give him a leg up when guys have to come out if they get dinged up a little bit or if there's something specific they're trying to do. Whether or not maybe uh, Huff gives those guys maybe some specific packages mm-hmm. in particular game situations. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but that was kind of what I termed the alternate to. Yeah. But um, the reason why I think alternate is the word I wanted to use was because the ones and the twos have almost been completely static, like mm-hmm. all camp. I talked to Scott Huff about it today, and he simply he still does not want anyone to think that these positions are set. Mm-hmm. He thinks the competition's still well ongoing and all that. I take him at his word. But when you look at the way that those guys have lined up, nothing's really changed from spring ball. Those mm-hmm. guys are pretty much lined at the same spots. Um, I kind of thought that there might be some movement at the tackle spots behind uh, Troy Fautanu and Roger Rosengarten, but it really hasn't been. It's been worse at the left. It's been Peacock on the right. And then with Jalen Kleng coming in, I think he's, you know, it'd probably be between him and Worsh, obviously, as to who would be the backup left tackle at this point. Yeah, and um, I, I, I would think that at some point Clem is going to claim one of those two backup tackle spots. There's still something in the back but, of my mind, yeah. Scott, that wonders if if they would move Melee out to left tackle and bring Brailsford in. Yeah. In a pitch. Yeah. Because Melee is a guy he's played a number of positions. Bulow. Bulo can step mm-hmm. out to left tackle very, very easily mm-hmm. um, if in, in a pinch. So they have options. Yeah. I just don't necessarily know what direction they would go on that. The other thing is, too, um, they also subbed out uh, Memelar at left guard mm-hmm. and had Henning yep. running running in there. Yep. At le- and I had actually made that because he had been working out at tackle through the spring, and I hadn't seen a lot of him in, in the fall other than just when he was getting reps with the in the position group, right? So um, 
I made a mention that he's he got reps at tackle during the spring, but I think eventually he's going to be a, a guard because I think Suwane Fa'asolo and Elisha Jaquette, who was not on... Elisha Jaquette was not there today. Yeah, and Huff said it's just he's just dealing yeah, with a just dang. dealing with a dang, yeah. Yeah, thing that he's whatever. And we did see I did see Ryan Otten walking yep. off uh, the field um, at the end of practice. So um, and Javon Parker was there. And Javon Parker was there too. So, but um, that is just something that you need to uh, keep in mind is that. Henning, while long enough to play tackle, I think eventually moves into guard because Jack Jaquette and Fa'asolo are probably your two tackles. But I'd have to lean on you to wonder if the if if any of if any of those guys behind the ones has ever actually been installed with the ones at times because I haven't, I haven't seen, seen it. it. I haven't seen it at all. It's been Fa'asolo mm-hmm. and Rosengarten at the tackles. It's been Bulow and uh, Nate Kalepo at the guards, and it's been Mele at the center. Other other than when. Uh, Kleppo or uh, Bulo have gone out because of they got dinged or something like right. that right, and right. needed to sit out a rep. Right. Gear and Hatch like an enforced in. change. Yeah. Other than an enforced change, I have not seen yeah. anywhere where, where the Kleppo coaches is, just want to see something. Where he yeah. has made a deliberate change. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it. So I don't know. We'll see yeah. what happens with that. Um, again, with the running backs, it still feels to me like this is again has been like the second or third practice where we've seen Cam Davis. Will Nixon, Daniel Ngata, those those seem to be the three. Dylan Johnson kind of on the fringes, but again, I didn't but, see well, him much but at all. He's, um, he's seen more practice. A little bit, but yeah. I, again, not a, not really a and factor then, today. Richard Nixon or Richard, uh, Richard Newton. Newton was more of a factor. Yeah, he had a today. touchdown today. Yeah, he was so. more of a factor today than than Johnson was. And then Sam Adams again um, in yellow. Yeah, in yellow. I don't know what's. Yeah. What what kind of Nick or Dane? He he's got. he seems like a guy who's consistently nicked up for whatever yeah, reason. So but Nixon, we actually talked to him for the that I remember for me it was the first time I've talked to him in person. I talked to him after he took his visit to UW and, and was deciding making his decision. Yeah. But um I, I wanna say we talked to him in the spring, yeah, maybe we didn't. Maybe we didn't. I, I don't remember yeah. doing it, but um he's just he's not the most verbose guy in the world, but they asked him a lot about you know, the move. You know, making the move in in the running back room, and and one of the things I asked was, hey, this is a this. It might not be the most stacked running back room in the world from a, you know, dynamic player and Heisman candidate or anything like that. But they've got a lot of bodies in that room and a lot of capable bodies, guys who've done it at at the collegiate level. Cam Davis, Richard Newton. Uh, Dylan Johnson has gotten it done. Dan- Daniel Nagata has kind of been a, you know, switch, not switchblade, a Swiss Army knife. Yep. You know, because he's done a lot of different things. But those are four guys right there who all have FBS uh, Power so, 5 solid, experience. Yeah, solid Power 5 And so, so for a guy like Nixon, who was a really good running back in high school, who then made the move to wide receiver at and kind of all-around purpose, all-purpose guy – at Nebraska, then to come to UW and get a little bit of playing time—not a lot. Um, I think he—I didn't think—I don't think he had a hundred yards, either rushing or receiving last year. But he has looked awesome he looks, in he's camp. Very good. I and he's twelve pounds heavier, yeah. so I think he's what a little over two hundred pounds. He's been—he's been assertive. Yeah, and and uh, they. One thing Ryan Grubb said was the guy is running in between the tackles way better than he ever has. Yeah. And that's been a huge key for us and why we're able to call his number a lot more. 
And so um, that's a guy that I would say, if, if you were to say, hey, Scott, who has been at each position, who has, you know, can you give me the top guy? I would, Cam Davis would look great. Don't get me wrong. I think he looks like the number one guy. I said it was Dylan Johnson and, and Cam Davis would kind of be those one-two guys. Cam Davis is by far the number one guy. I mean, there's no question in my mind who's... But number two, I would put Will Nixon there. Yeah. And from a surprise standpoint, and the guy who's been the most eye-opening to me has been Nixon at that running back. Yeah, and, and it is a position they really do need to get solidified and fast because that's a that's a group where Grubb and DeBoer have talked about the importance of those guys getting off to a good start at the beginning of the year. They really need those guys, and they're going to count on those guys because they fully expect all the defenses they go up against are going to try to shut down the passing game. They're going to try to, whether that's attack at the line of scrimmage and get uh, a guy like Penix off his spot, or if they're just going to try to just double-team and bracket and do whatever they have to do with those outside receivers, they're going to try to get it done. But that's going to leave a lot of opportunities for running backs mm-hmm. to make hay, and they need to get those guys ready. And, and to me, it feels like Will Nixon has really put himself yeah. in a great position. And Agreed. like I said, I think, I think Richard Newton is starting to, to, to come around. I think he yeah. really is, again, um, you know, Coach Is he DeBorn, a senior Coach, this year? Is yeah. he a junior? No, okay. he's a senior. But they've talked. To, he said that you know basically the Alamo Bowl was the was where he kind of got his mojo back a little bit, and and unfortunately started, it came at Cam Davis's expense because he had the uh, well the right. injury right. But it's 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 just one of those things where you know anytime you get an opportunity to play and whatnot, you take advantage of it. It's going to make yourself feel good. It's going to it's going to have a compound effect, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to you're going to get momentum from it. You're going to start enjoying your football more. That creates more confidence. Everything just kind of plays off of itself. Um, working our way to the receivers, Denzel Boston, again, second practice in a row where he's been a little dinged up, don't mm-hmm. know. Again, six practices in, guys. Guys are going to get dinged. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna come in. They're going to come out. They're going to do – But they weren't holding him out of anything. Nope, they weren't just, holding him out. Yeah. But it's just noticeable where, like, Jeremy Bernard is, is like, the last two practices Definitely, really yeah. elevated his game Very much. to a different level. And I think part of the reason is because he's getting the opportunities to do it, whereas – I don't know if Denzel Boston is necessarily getting in there as much during the team periods where he can step up and make an impact like he has in the past because there's no doubt Denzel Boston's been one of the guys. Mm-hmm. If you take the first six practices overall like as an entire thing, he's been one of the great he's been yeah. one of the great stories. Unfortunately, these last two days taken a bit of a step back because he's he's not 100% clearly. Yeah, and um you know, you talk about Jeremy Bernard stepping up. I didn't see. I mean, I Jalen Polk was out there. I just didn't see that him catch very many. I was going to say Jalen McMillan was like that for me today. Yeah, and that um, was another he was one. stepping up. He was making plays, but was he was he splashing? Was he flashing? Yeah. Was he making the big downfield plays and things? But no. part of that was because of the situations they were they were playing today. True. Like I said, again, a lot of third down, a lot of red zone, a lot of short yardage. But by the same token, the last handful of series in the last team period were all kind of between yeah. the 20s. They were all kind <laughs> of open, let her go, see what happens. And I didn't see a ton of that. I saw Rome making some plays. Um, I saw an opportunity for other guys to make plays. Like, again, Tayshawn Lyons. He's showing up with the twos. Of, of all the true freshman guys, he seems to be the one that is getting some opportunities to, to step up yeah. and play in the depth. Um, one thing I did notice about young wide receivers is Rasheed uh, Williams was mirroring Romo Dunsey today. For sure. He was walking around everywhere Rome went, he went. And 
I didn't see him talking a lot, and he was standing back, usually 10 to 15 yards, um, just kind of watching what he did, kind of lining up like he did, working on his releases and things like that. So that was interesting to see, and I could see Rasheed Williams being a lot like Romo Dunsey once he gets the opportunity to come up and play. Yeah, uh, Tight ends, uh, Devin Colt, great catch in the back of the end zone from Dylan Moore. That was a really good on catch. A four, on a fourth down play. It, it, it isn't. Exactly, but it kind of reminded me a little bit of the Dwight Clark catch in the back of the end zone, the way it was right on that end line. Oh, I thought and, see, and I thought you were yeah. gonna, I thought you were going to say Bruner in the Rose it, Bowl. I mean, you know what? Now that you the say tip-toe? it, yeah, it was yeah. a little bit more like Bruner. Actually, but this one, it was this more, one was one where yeah. he caught it outside his body. He had to extend. He snagged it. Yeah, yeah he, had he to snagged it. it. Looked, it looked pretty. Yeah, and I, as I was saying, Morris looked like he could have hit Odunzi out in the flat. For an easier, th- maybe it isn't an easier throw because he had to, he would have had to turn his body because it was on the to the right, whereas uh, Devin Culp was right in front of him, so he could, and maybe that was the first read. I don't know. Yeah. But um, but o- Odunzi was open on that play too. But um, it, uh, Culp's defender fell, didn't he? I don't remember. Okay. I, I remember Devin had to elevate a little bit to yeah. get it. And his guy had But he fallen, was the only guy that was going to He was get the it. only one getting it, the way Morris threw that ball. The unfortunate thing is, you mentioned Ryan Otten a little bit. He's clearly dealing with something. It's it's holding him back, and it's yeah. really unfortunate. Because you thought, with the numbers the way they were, he had a chance to maybe do something. Yeah. But, but right but now, if, right if, now it's Culp, it's yeah. Westover, it's 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 Q Moore, or, um, yeah, Q Moore and... Um, Cuevas. And, and Josh Cuevas. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Now... Griffin Weiss, the the walk on from time to time, he's doing some things. Um, I think they're counting on him now that Otten's not available to play, so he's filling in some roles there. But really, it's going to be the four yeah. tight ends that you've got, and you better pray to whatever personal deity, deity <laughs> you you pray to that those guys can stay healthy the whole yeah. year because they they're running thin right now at that position. Now, granted, in this offense, if there is a position where you can go into battle. And not be necessarily at a hundred percent. It's tight end, mm-hmm. but you don't want to really risk no. it any more than you have to. Um, We've already talked about the line. Yeah. So, any kind of final thoughts on the offense that you saw today? Uh, you know, just they were efficient. I thought they, I thought they looked kind of like they were. You know, like I guess it would be more like the third or fourth game last year because remember they had some struggles in the red zone. They aren't having those struggles anymore. Yeah. Um, scoring. So um, I. You know, I, I thought they looked efficient today. Not we, not overly explosive, but efficient. Yeah, and and I don't know again how much of that's a function of the the situations the they were calls, being put in, yeah. the what they were trying to emphasize today, which we obviously we're trying to emphasize that in the podcast to make sure people get a full context of of kind of the plays that they were running and 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 who was having maybe the upper hand between the offense and defense. Looking on the defensive side of the ball, though, especially with that front seven. I, they're playing really well right yes, now. Yes, they are. They are playing really, really well. And, um, Chris, I, I want to see if you feel this way. I think Sakai Asawa-Fua has had one of the best camps of anybody on that side of the ball. He's certainly been inside Austin Max jersey. I mean, I'll tell me, he's, just, he's turned him inside yeah. out a number of times. But he was getting reps with the, with the ones today. He was? when Because uh, um, Braylon Trice, they didn't hold him out the whole practice, but they did hold him out. From a lot of the and and he took 
reps with Zion on the other side. Well, in the final team uh, period... Oswald Fuller. Yeah, in the final team period, I mean, they were really mixing and matching position groups. But I'm talking but, early. No, I know, but by this... Let me put it this way. The very, very last uh, drive mm-hmm. that was before the end of practice, they had MJ Ale and Thule at the at, inside. Most likely the first two guys. Do you want to remember who their edges were? Um, was it Milton Hopkins and... Uh, who's the other one? Maurice Himes. Maurice Himes, that's right. Okay. And it actually I wasn't... I didn't see it, Durfee fact, at all. Fact, no, no, no. In fact, it wasn't even Milton Hopkins. It was Jacob Lane. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So but I didn't, right, see, I didn't right. see Durfee at all today in the team stuff. I, yeah, I don't remember seeing much okay. of Zach today. Yeah. Um, and that's, again, I don't think there's anything to read into that other than they're just trying to get guys reps. This is the first we've seen Jacob Lane getting reps in the full team. Well, and we are legitimately in the dog days of fall camp yeah. now, guys. I mean, we are fully in it now. I, I don't know. I mean, people you're me. I'm yawning. yawning. Yeah, I, <laughs> I've got my, my six-month-old is waking me up too much, Chris. I'm just telling you that right now. So, um, Well, you got a it, day off tomorrow. You so. know, and, well, and, well, essentially, I got a day off until next Tuesday because we're not watching very much of practice. Um, we're only... Well, yeah, you have yeah. to be here, but you can't... No camp. Yeah, we're... So just to make sure people understand, this is the last day of the six, the first six practices. The full access. The full access. We don't get to come to see practice again until this following Tuesday, and then after that, the following Wednesday. The tw- so it's the 15th and the 23rd. Right. So essentially, we're kind of done it, with, it, in terms of seeing what we're going to see. Yeah. The only other things that we do is we interview DeBoer and, the, and then the offense and defense. Yeah. And those are... Different days, and so and they're going to Friday. Us in. Friday, I believe, is offense again. So yeah. we did offense today. We'll do offense again on uh, yeah, Friday, and then, on and then you'll get, uh, and then Kim will get uh, Deboer on Saturday, yeah. and then we're into more of the blah 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 blah. You know how it normally goes. Yeah, but, it gets more in kind of the normal flow, yeah, but of what's going anyway, on. Anyway, um, we just, I mean, it's it it's good um, that we're getting to that point. I. Honestly, I'm just jonesing for football to start. I know the Seahawks play on Thursday. Um, that's going to be big. I mean, I you know we literally just saw the first I know. full pads practice. Though. I know they're not. I mean, they're just getting started. Yeah, they really are. So and um, you know, I it's it's fun, but it's also like all right, we're to the point where I've seen a lot of the same things. You know, granted, you know, I'm, I'm not as bad as Kim. Where he's just like, oh, I didn't see anything interesting today. That that isn't me. There's interesting stuff to see every day in practice, but we're seeing the same drills, the same. You know, when when guys are when offensive linemen are pulling, they're rolling the ball at them to make sure they get their hands down and at the feet. There, yeah. you got the the defensive line or the edge guys or the linebackers when they come off of the edge, they're throwing a bag at them so they keep. So they learn how to keep guys off of their legs and things like that. So it's the same drills we see. And all this stuff, I'm not complaining that these are happening. They have to happen. No, but, there, but there's, there's a repetition but to them. But for us, yeah. there's nothing really to report. Yeah. You know, And so um, it's, I, I'm okay with them closing practices here for the next little bit and everything like that. The problem is that's when they're going to be scrimmaging and doing a lot of that Yes, because there will be scrimmaging this Saturday. Um, yeah. I think they'll probably have another pretty busy full pass practice Thursday, mm-hmm. so day after today. Yeah. Um, so they're they're and Friday it up. and Friday is for um, season ticket holders. So I gotta believe that they're gonna have um, a lot of 
Yeah, but I'd be surprised if that was full pads, especially with a scrimmage the mm. next day. Yeah, maybe. I bet they would yeah, have more of a right. walkthrough or you're probably right. something like that. But um, That'll thrill the... the <laughs> yeah, but but again, of the front seven, going back to that, it, you just see the guys going through it. Now, you want to talk about, we talked about how thin the depth was at tight end. That defensive line, when you've got Voy now at edge, Javon Parker wasn't available, mm-hmm. um, Elenius Davis is in yellow, or not 100%. Yep. You know, you're starting to get super thin at that position because you've, yeah. you've got too late, you've got too you got too late, you've got MJ. You've got Fatui Tuatele, you've got Jacob Bandis, you've got Armand Parker, who played a ton today. Good got, for him, too, got, by the yeah, way. Yeah, you got Bradley McGannon, and that's about it. I mean, really, you're you're yep. pushing seven? Mm-hmm. And so that, again, you're starting to get dangerously thin. Um, now, I have seen situations where they've got body types out there at the edge where if they needed to push Trice inside a little bit, or if they needed to bring Voy back in Sakai. a little bit. They've, or Sakai. He's definitely another guy. They've got some guys that are 270, mm-hmm. 275 that can do that. Or in Voy's case, he's 260 plus. But he can, he's, he's done, done that done before. It. He's that's, done it before he's been well, that's there. what he played in high school. Yeah. So you've got bodies that can do it in a pinch. But you just don't want to have to go there if you don't, if you don't have to. Um, so, but, but those guys inside are really looking good. I mean... Ale is just, he's just a different guy. I don't even know how to describe it a different way because I think we've tried all sorts of different ways to just tell people how much he's changed, just body type and how that's impacted his play. Mm-hmm. He's just a different guy, yeah. and he just looks the part now. Um, and especially playing against a guy like Thule, who you yeah. he is just as steady Eddie as they come. He's never going to be that guy that's just going to flash and, and do the kinds of things that you're going to see out of a 6'6", 320-pound guy mm-hmm. like, like MJ. All I, but he just makes plays, makes yeah. plays, makes plays, makes plays. And then behind him, you've got Tui and you've got Bandis, and those guys are as veterans as they come to right behind him. Um, you just hope that they can stay fit. That's yep. the biggest thing at this point. Yep, absolutely. Um, you talked about just the re- repetition of things and how it sometimes it just gets a little numbing mm-hmm. when you go through six practices, and all of a sudden you really see a lot of the same things over and over. One of the things that I'm not going to get tired of because now he's back in full go is Alfonso Tupatal. Yeah. Um, I talked to, um, God, who was it? Was it Julius? May have been Julius Bulow. And I asked him who some of the guys were in the kind of the offseason boxing and martial arts stuff that they've been doing, who some of the guys were that really impressed him. And he said, Mish Powell. And then he mentioned Tupatala. Mm hmm. And he says, in, and every once he goes, every once in a while, when I get to that next level and I'm in there as the interior guy and I'm going up against a guy like Zoe, he goes, I can really tell mm-hmm. that there's, there's a, is a difference between some of the things that they've been working on in the offseason and how that's kind of showed itself mm-hmm. in practice. Did you, well, and I'm, you're talking about Tupatal, and I thought he looked yeah. pretty good today. But uh, Eddie just continues yep. to flash to me, too. Yeah. Ulufoshio, he's just. Well, when he's 100% healthy yeah. and he's confident, that, that he's delayed, a different guy. That delayed blitz that he had on Dylan Morris early in early in practice, oh my gosh, he got in there so fast. Yeah, and I it don't think it crazy. should come. I don't think it should come to a surprise to Washington fans that this team's going to pressure because Inge and Morrell have sh- they showed a lot of pressure last year. Yeah. You just don't, you know, they're just going to show different looks. They're going to get more exotic every year that they yep. do this stuff, but. Does is anyone going to be surprised to see Ulafosio 
running around the backfield yeah. with his hair on fire. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. I mean, that's a guy that's primed for it. And I don't know if you saw this too, and this is getting more to the secondary, but did you see that blindside Darren Barkins? Yes. That would have been a sack if yes. he was. And that's the kind of sack where the quarterback, you get a photograph of him as he's getting hit in the middle of the back, and is it? that's what it would have been. Or or he bounces off. If you're Michael, or if you're Michael Penix and you're playing Oregon, he does the little twist and the, the twist, move yeah, and then exactly. runs for a 20-yard Austin Mack did not have any clue. Well, Austin Mack's not, he's he's not, not at that level. He's <laughs> not at that level yet. You're right. You're 100% right. But he had, it's so, it was funny because we were all just laughing in the in the media because it was like he had no idea that there was even anybody back there. Yeah. And and it would and he he winds up going through and throwing the play and I think he actually had a nice completion. Yeah. But it was like you would have been killed much earlier but the figuratively speaking obviously, but you would have been destroyed like 2 seconds earlier because yeah. Darren Bar- Barkins would have just annihilated him. Yeah. One of the themes of this, obviously this pod, is the depth that we're talking about. Yeah. And there's thin depth. That's a, but the bottom line is the depth that is in, like, you know, the, if you look at the inside linebackers for the position, you look, that, that, that position can go five deep. You know, mm-hmm. you've got Eddie, you've got Zoe, you've got Raylan Goforth, you've got Carson Bruner, you've got Drew Fowler. Those guys are as rock solid as it gets. So the immediate depth looks fantastic. It's just again, yeah. what's going to happen if one or two? I still guys think go down. Devin Bryant has put himself in a position to get a lot of playing time. Yeah, this him year. and Will Nixon had a meeting of the minds yeah. in the backfield, or not backfield, but about a yard downfield. Where I swear to God, if I was outside of Husky Stadium, I would have heard it. Yeah, and uh, you know Austin Harnito, you know he, he, I don't see him getting a lot of playing time this year, but he. Could be Drew Fowler three years from now or two years from now. He could be because he just got, seems to know where to be. He yeah. seems to know where to be. He seems to always be there. He's a physical presence when he plays. He's going to play special teams this year at the very least. Yeah, so. and you've got Miller. You've got Carson Bruner's brother, Braden. Yeah, um, uh, they have some good linebackers. They have some walk-on guys that are coming through now. That I and think Jordan Whitney isn't really doing anything, but that isn't. I think that's more. He seems limited. Well, he was in yellow. Yeah. So I think yesterday may have been the first day I saw him not in yellow. Yeah. Um, but they're starting to build something there, and I think it's yeah. It, it Whitney looks good. Whitney will be a player. It's just not going to be this year. He's not going to make an impact this year. No. If he if he has to make an impact this year, you've suffered some like a lot of injuries. Yeah. So. Uh, moving to the secondary, you mentioned Barkins. He's starting to, at least on my radar, he's starting to show up just a little bit more. Much more, more. than I thought um, he would. In the last two or three practices, he's starting to show up more and more and more. Um, he looks like he's pretty solid in the two deeps right now. I think he's getting paired up right now a lot with Javion Green. Mm-hmm. You've got Thaddeus Dixon, Elijah Jackson, and Jabbar Muhammad kind of in front of them. And I think that battle between Dixon and Jackson is going to be phenomenal all the way through game. I I texted with Brandon Huffman because this is a guy that he covered quite a bit in uh, Leroy Bryant. But I think Leroy Bryant is putting himself in a spot. Yeah, Leroy. And you talk about about players for the future. He is absolutely one of them. He looks like a dude. Yeah. He does. And he's he's not a physical specimen from a size standpoint. He's what, 5'11, 6 feet, whatever he is. But, man, he just looks like a football player, the but way he carries only, himself and all that. The only hope that you have is that history doesn't repeat itself, and now all of a sudden you have a JV on Green situation with him 
in 2023 yeah. because you, you want JVM Green should never have had to worry about playing last year. Yep. In an right. ideal world with enough depth and enough quality, but with a brand new staff implementing what they had to, there just wasn't enough time, not enough bodies. Yep. You know, there. I mean, they were literally just struggling. You know, and you, you look at Julius Irvin. And here's a name we haven't anything. even mentioned yet: Devon Banks. Devon Banks had he's a good practice really today. He's looked really good. He's looked really good. Yeah, he's. So again, you, you talk about Barkins, you talk about Green, you talk about Banks. I think that's that's next set of three after the you talk about three. Muhammad and Dixon and Jackson. Yeah. So now all of a sudden, now you're starting to get a, not so much a legitimate. Three deep at corner, but you're starting to see each one of them sort themselves sort out. themselves yeah. out a little bit, and you can see them make a play, make a play here, make a play there. Again, Barkins coming off the edge, you can see things where all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, he's starting to flash a little bit. Yeah, and then at safety, it's interesting because we mentioned yesterday that Tristan Dunn was probably getting as much work at Husky as safety. I think that continued mm-hmm. today, and again, Asa Turner. Dom Hampton, those seem to be the guys. And, and you mentioned Mishbell. you mentioned Vince Dunley too. Yeah, he's he's in front of yeah. he's in front of Dunn at Husky. Um, Cam Fab is kind of doing both again. So he's always kind of in that cross trained position where he mm-hmm. can kind of go wherever they need him to go. I think Powell's definitely one of those guys yeah. too. Yeah. But I, I would mention and double down on what you said yesterday about Vince Dunley. He's showing up. Yeah. He very really much. is showing up. Again, with no Michaelistine, he didn't play today. Uh, he was out there, but just had bucket a bucket hat, hat on, yeah. didn't have a helmet. Um, so he's just watching right now. I think that's where Vince Nunley can come in and, and maybe yeah. start to show himself a little bit. Yeah, and as far as special teams, we didn't see very much of the punters. No kicking at all, but the, we, did have some, we did have some guys catching punts. And, and I did mention that at the beginning of the thread. Um, so there was Leroy Bryant, Romo Dunsey, Jeremy Bernard, Keith Reynolds, Jalen McMillan, and there was one other guy. There was six. I can't remember. I was talking about the end of practice. Oh, yeah. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> well, anyway, at the I'll beginning... Let you descri- I'll let you describe at that. At the beginning, yeah. it was the, it was the uh, guys who were actually going to be taking punts in games. Yeah. What you're going to talk about... Well, the, no, I'll let you talk about it. Oh, okay. The hilarity of watching linemen try to catch punts is that I'll tell you what some of those catches those guys made cuz they were fooled by it yeah. and they had to make especially like, the offensive line that was impressive Nate Kalepo made a hell of a catch yeah. but he really he had, had to, to go backwards back yeah and and really almost high so it. the one I remember seeing Rosengarten um Rosengarten Kalepo uh Fatui Tuatele had a had one I think all the catch one Ole yeah Andis caught the final one if I remember right yeah that. yeah I think but I'm still trying to figure out what, what what was the carrot? What was the reward? I don't know. We can ask. We, we'll have to ask. Yeah. I don't remember what the reward was no. for that. No. But, um, you know, it's just it's something to have fun with and watch the big guys try to act like little well, guys. I'll tell you what, the defense won it, and they went nuts. Yeah. And Bandis caught that. Caught it. Yeah. It was difficult for us because it was totally on the far end of the field. But we could actually see it, though, because yeah. we were at field level yeah. when that happened. And, but Bandis didn't even have his... Yeah. Jersey on, so like I know. we had to really try to strain to figure out who it was. Yeah, but okay, we're gonna wrap it up now. Um, good practice. Final though. thoughts, though. Yeah. Scott? good good practice. Um, it's it's obviously the sixth day of practice. The players are getting in this stuff, and live live tackling was fun to watch for a little little bit. Uh, nobody seemed to come up gimpy or anything like that. So that's a good that's good news. 
Um, the Michael Penix things is something that people are just going to want to follow and, and everything like that. I think it's much ado about nothing at this point. But, Chris, I, I think it's valid what you've said. It is something to worry about. I just don't think people need to spend hours ruminating on it, okay? He's not he's not hurt. He's just sore. Yeah, my point is, is that it would be disingenuous to say that there's nothing wrong. Because yeah. clearly something's wrong. Or else he'd still be playing. Mm-hmm. But again, is it something that can be mitigated? Clearly. Mm-hmm. Because ever since the invention of the forward pass, guys have had to deal with dead arms. Dead arms, yep. And so this is this is not a new phenomenon. This is something that we've even seen at Washington. So you've got, first of all, you've got to trust Mike Penix, that he knows what's going on with his own body. And then you've got to trust the coaches that they are trying to make sure that they don't have to win, yep. fall at the expense of the losing season. games on the back yeah. end. So, again, yeah, reason for concern? Sure. If you want to be concerned about it, that's fine. But I think you should also be as clear in the understanding that they are, that there's solutions at hand. And, and that he would be playing yeah. if there was a game. Correct. Yeah, so. absolutely. And that's the most important thing. Yeah. Um, just want to make sure that people understand. So this is the end of the, the first six practices for us that we get to see. There's two more that we get to see in the next two weeks. But by and large, our viewing of mm-hmm. practice is over for the most part. So just want to make sure that people understand. We'll probably have some analysis pieces coming in, like guys that uh, impressed us, kind of maybe our take on the two deeps, things like that. So look look for that in the coming days and whatnot. And we've got a ton of content in terms of the interviews that we've had with coaches and players, both on uh, the offensive and defensive side. Well, the side frustrating the thing was we get DeBoer on uh, last week. We get DeBoer on Wednesday, and then we get – defense on Thursday and then all hell breaks loose with realignment right and all of those defensive interviews got cast aside because then on Saturday we got offense and on Sunday we get defense then we got defense again and by that time we were asking the same you know we're asking new questions to the guys we had already talked to so we've just I mean so We've got a lot of content for you guys that is going to be coming out here over the next five, six days. Yeah. And even with today, like for instance, I, I forgot to, to post the um, the videos that I did earlier yeah. in practice. Yeah. Because it just started raining. I started focusing on other yeah. things. I didn't want, <laughs> I wasn't really too yeah. worried about putting putting the videos out. I will make sure to get videos out for you guys so that you got a chance to see kind of some of the things yeah. around. And again, it kind of goes to your what you were talking about in terms of some of the redundancies and some of the things that we've been seeing. Sometimes I would put the put the phone up and I'd be starting to videotape something. I'd be like, I just did this literally like yeah. two days ago. Mm-hmm. There's no reason I don't need to put this up yeah. there again. Yep. So there was some of that going on too. So we're going to wrap it up now yep. for Scott. And one other thing I want to make sure, and, and Kim would always do this too, is that if, if you want to get our daily updates, which basically is a, is a through our email, it gives you all the stories that we've did, it done. It'll catch you up to date on all the relevant stories, all the news that's happening at dogman.com. Send us an email at huskystadium at gmail.com. So, again, huskystadium, one word, at gmail.com. And then the subject line of your email, just put the word newsletter. And we'll get you signed up on our mailing list. And you'll get the daily digests of all that we usually put out, at least one or two a day, to let everyone know kind of what the latest news is and everything that's going on with Washington football. And like yesterday, the non-conference basketball schedule came out. Mm -hmm. So there's always, in recruiting, recruiting's always going on all the time. 
So if you want to get caught up on that, again, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter, and we'll get you set up with those daily updates. So for Scott Eklund, this is Chris Fetters of dogman.com. Go dogs. Thank <laughs> you.